Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. Many volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noach Ayala trails. And units available in Tamaria near the Keen area for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Angel 7 is in the water with the boat. Backup units needed. Hello and welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that goes behind the scenes and takes an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala. I'm Raphael Posh. And I'm Dovi Maisel. Today we're going to be talking about uh, an issue that really affects us all, I think, is, as service providers uh, in the emergency medical service, um, and that is violence against first responders um, and how we deal with it. And that, unfortunately, this is not an uncommon situation. Uh, it happens all too often, um, and it's it's incredibly tragic when that happens as someone who's going to respond and try and help another person, and that person has acts of violence perpetrated against them. Um, I've... Uh, Actually, you know, not really ever experienced this in myself, thankfully, in the field. Well, you're lucky. I'm lucky. I'm one of those lucky ones. It's sort of gone in between the raindrops, I guess. Uh, but a lot of people have experienced this, um, including yourself, I understand. Yeah, well, well, generally speaking about violence uh, towards uh, uh, medical uh, personnel is something I, I think is, is quite common and, and is, is common not only in Israel but everywhere. Yeah, it's something that affects everyone. And you always hear stories about it. Uh, you know, there are recent stories in the news about people who have even killed uh, in the line of duty, which is unfortunate uh, and, and incredibly tragic. Um, and it affects, it affects, unfortunately, way too many people. And it happens yeah, and it's, it's, not, it's not only in the field. It's not only in EMS uh, professionals that experience it. It's also in the ERs, hospitals, and, and anywhere you have that uh, um, a, a meeting up of the medical personnel treating the patient versus family members and community members that think that uh, that the patient should be treated otherwise or better or differently than what us as 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 medical professionals are doing, and they don't just offer their um, their two cents, but they offer their fists. Right, and sometimes these are not even issues of that; they're just frustrated people who are who are dealing with the worst moments of their life because that's when EMS really interfaces with uh, with the rest of you know civilian population is in the worst moments of their lives. Uh, you come in there, the person's having a medical emergency. It's not the best time to, to meet somebody. It's not uh, ideal in any situation. And there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of emotions running very, very highly. And people react. Unfortunately, sometimes they react in ways that are not uh, not appropriate and even violent. Yeah, well, I think that, that said, it's no excuse. I'm not excusing anything. And, 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 and as we speak now, there's actually a, a strike, an on and off strike going on in the hospitals here in Israel. Um, uh, as a result of violence against the uh, medical personnel in right. the hospitals. Absolutely. There was a recent story where people were attacked outside uh, one of the uh, was a pharmacy in one of the hospitals. Um, there were a number of stories recently that were going on, and, and these are things that people have taken into account and deal with. And this is why the first lesson in any rule uh, that's taught in EMT classes is safety. scene safety first. Yeah. Safety first, and it's, it's open your eyes and understand what's going on around you when you're arriving on that scene, um, coming into that neighborhood, um, going up a, a, and seeing the welcoming you get should all be uh, those um, uh, red lights for you to wake up and, and, and understand where you are uh, before you proceed to treat the patient. Right. And as people have to go into any and every neighborhood, regardless of, you know, population, um, 
and or social not socioeconomic status, etc. We have to deal with humanity as it is. Yeah, I think when you say yeah, Rafael, humanity as it is, I, I agree. Yeah, humanity is uh, is uh, composed comprised of many different cultures, and different cultures deal with um, these situations very, very differently. There are those who are um, um, very accepting of the situation and, and you know, uh, just letting you do your thing and they trust you and they put their trust in you and, and you're treating the patient and, and, and everything is good no matter what the outcome is. And then there are those who, when you come into that cardiac arrest and the, you see all these guys around you, six foot point five, weighing 300 pounds, saying, if he's dead, you're dead. Um, and, and you understand, okay, um, this is a, a, a situation that's a little bit different and, and you need to work within that. And it also poses um, different um, uh, lines of uh, treatment thoughts that you might have of how to proceed with this and and even thinking forward into the game of uh, understanding that there is no situation that you'll be pronouncing um, in this house, for Correct. example. Now, I know in Israel we have a protocol, since you touched on it already. Uh, Israel, we have a protocol that, for example, children we never pronounce at the house or in the presence of the parents. We usually continue CPR all the way to the hospital, and you know, if, if something needs to be pronounced, it's pronounced there. Um, that's for two reasons, not just violence. It's also to give the, the family the sense that everything that can be done is being done in order to save uh, the child. Um, but there have been, you know, let's let's I guess let's move on to a little bit more of a of a practical and talk about some situations uh, where there has been violence taking place and some situations where we've managed to avoid it. So clearly there are those incidents that you know on your way over that what you what you got to brace for. If you're going out to a call that is a gunshot wounds um, or, or, uh, or multiple gunshots uh, fired and, and things like that, obviously you're already taking the procedures on the way. You're gearing up with protective gear, bulletproof vests, helmets, whatever it is, and understanding that you'll be entering an area that might be hot zone, warm zone, or, or whatever, and, and preparing yourself, um, uh, running protocols through your head, um, understanding are you talking about a one individual patient, victim, or are we talking about uh, multiple injuries, are we talking about a uh, possible uh, mass casualty incident, and, and so on. And, and the way you approach the scene is much more cautious um, and, 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 and thinking already three steps ahead. You're obviously uh, um, thinking about how you'll be connecting and, and coordinating with the uh, law enforcement on scene, etc. And, and, and the whole approach to this incident is very, um, very different. However, there are those other calls which catch you by surprise. Absolutely. And we're also talking about, let's, let's take it back a notch. I'm, I'm stealing some of your, uh, your phraseology. Um, not all ambulances have protective helmets and, get, and, and vests. I mean, we, we do in Israel. That's sort of our protocol. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the responders in other other countries don't necessarily have those protective materials. They have to go out in their uniforms. That's like that's all they got sometimes. Um, so I think a lot of it can also be uh, the ones that take you by surprise, like you mentioned, are, are obviously the ones that are a little bit more difficult because uh, then you're the one on first on scene and you have to call in law enforcement. And the question is, do you wait for law enforcement or do you approach the scene? You know, on your own. I, I think that that really is the biggest discussion. You, you come and and you understand that that this situation is not a comfortable situation. It's a hostile situation. When I, and when I I say hostile, it doesn't have to be a terrorist. It can be um, a family that's very aggravated. It could be also that it took you time to get there because um, you, you were could also be someone who's calls. got 
you know, property rights and ideas that people shouldn't trespass on their property. That's a, it's a very common one as well. Yeah, and we're, we're constantly b- balancing the the will to go in there and and, and treat the patient versus uh, the personal safety of the of personnel. So 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 that said, it really is sort of sometimes taking a chance. But if the risk is really you understand and and taking into consideration all the parameters you see in front of your eyes, and you see that the scene is not safe, you will not enter. I will definitely pull back. I will not think twice to drive back down the block and back up and and wait for law enforcement to come there because I will not um, risk myself in responding to the scene. Correct, because then you create another scene which needs more responders and you're just putting more people in harm's way. Exactly. However, that said, what we've found to be a, 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 a real tool to help in these situations, especially when we're talking about cultural differences in the minority communities of, of different sorts, um, is to actually um, get involved in the community. Get involved in the community and get volunteers from within the community who are part of that culture. They speak the language. They understand um, the, the sensitivities, the, the sensitivities, the nuances that, that are special to that community. And once you have volunteers, we found that once we have volunteers from within these communities, dramatically we see a, 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 a change, a in, change in the response right. and the behavior. Because where where one person might understand the situation as one as a very intimidating and, and, and dangerous situation, the volunteer from the community will, will immediately interpret it differently and understand the culture and say, okay, no, no problem. I'm jumping in. He'll start treating the patient. Immediately stress levels will drop and you'll be able to enter the scene and, and, and join him in the treatment of the patient, be it cardiac arrest, CPR, trauma, or whatnot. Right. And this is a really important point. You're talking about engaging the community where we've had um, situ- a lot of situations where uh, volunteers from the community not only are able to jump in and, and treat the patient if they arrive, but we also have situations where once the community recognizes who we are and they know, oh, you know, you're an you're EMS service provider just like my friend from down the street from my community who I know that I'm willing to accept you into my community as well, even though I don't necessarily And it's not flashing say. lights means police. Correct. <laughs> That's another big one. Um, I can't remember the amount of times you have to go to, go to people and say, I'm not, I'm not a police officer. I'm just trying to help. Exactly. We, we're here. We're here to help. And, and I think that's the police are there to help too. Let's put that there. They are help. They're there to help too. Um, but people are afraid of the police in a way that, that they're not in terms of EMS. And, and I think, and I think that if we're talking about not those terrorist related incidents or things like that, and we're not talking about a very violent scene, I think that generally speaking, uh, even to overcome cultures, a lot of emotional intelligence is, is is needed in place. And emotional intelligence, I think, is something that that either you're born with or you're not, but you can definitely upgrade it for, for anyone. And that is really understanding what's going on around you. Well, we're coming into a cardiac arrest on a, uh, on, on a person who's a 90-year-old. And, and and the family is behaving and screaming and breaking things all around you as if we're talking about a three-year-old kid that coded here, um, then you understand that this is a irrational response. And you understand that, that you need to, to, you know, be a little extra careful here because you got to do one in one. Things need to make sense. If we're talking about, obviously, a trauma or a, a sudden infant death or things like that, you could definitely understand um, irrational responses like these. But, but, but like, once again, it, it needs to make sense. And I think with emotional intelligence, we're able to communicate with the people and, and really connect them. And, and, and in, some, in some cases, uh, we give them a purpose, we give them a mission, we give them a job to do. 
while we're there so that uh, so that they focus on, the, on on being part of the effort, being part of the rescue effort. Right. Give them something to do, a task to help out with, whether it's bringing something that you can use for the effort, uh, for the if it's CPR, then CPR effort, or you know the famous rescues. one of a, of a woman, you know, starting to give birth. What do you do? You send the the, the husband the, the to go husband, bring a blanket, go, go get towels, towels, <laughs> yeah, plastic plastic cloth of some sort, cover things over. Um, and that's it, it. Holds true for a lot of different things. Uh, it can even be as simple as saying, okay, you know, if you're the first responder on the scene, um, and let's say if you arrived even before an ambulance shown up, then say, go please wait outside for the ambulance. If you're with the ambulance, okay, go please. Wait outside and direct uh, you know, firefighters if you need them on the scene or the police if you need them on the scene or the next ambulance. Give them a sense of purpose. Give them a right. sense of, of taking part in the mission. And then you make engage them proactive. Them. Exactly. You make them proactive, you engage them, and they feel like they're doing something. And that actually is uh, it's part of our model of our psychotrauma treatment as well. If a person feels um, helpless, they're more likely to, to lash out and react, to try and gain some sort of control over the scene. But if the person feels like they have a task, they're part of the effort to, to save their loved one, then they're a lot more likely to to work with you rather than working against you. Actually, I found myself, uh, this was a couple of years back, um, in, in a cardiac arrest and one of these huge, huge, scary guys, and I'm a big guy, okay, but he was like huge, um, was like literally like, if he's dead, you're dead. And I'm like, okay, clearly I'll be transporting this patient to the hospital, um, and, and there's no way I will be staying on scene. However, and while we're treating, they're hovering over us and they're throwing stuff at us and 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 yelling. And and at this point, I say, okay, this is a waste of time over here. What we got to do is immediately pack them up and, and head to the hospital because we have no choice. This is personal safety for for myself, for the team, for the patient, and and, and for and, and clearly for the patient. Um, and, and what we did was basically we got all of these family members together to actually, you know, get the patient on the stretcher, on the backboard, and, and help carry him down four flights on a, on a, on a, on a tight stairwell. And, and we literally kept them all busy, hands full, with the patient uh, in order to, uh, to preserve our own safety and, 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 and actually get to the hospital. Uh, and of course, we had to notify the hospital to prepare security. Um, that did not help much when they tore apart the ER afterwards. And it took I don't know twenty cops to uh, uh, to, to cool Calm them down, down yeah. uh, when when they pronounced um, when they pronounced death on this I don't know what it was an eighty year old person. All right, we've had a lot of uh, similar uh, protocols are in use on on construction sites uh, where it's dangerous, and you use the other construction workers to help. You know, if there's an inner construction worker, then they help carry the person out of the construction site because they know the site better. Um, as well. And that's not necessarily an issue of violence, but it comes back to the idea of giving people things to do, engaging them, and then making them part of your team rather than uh, working together with against you. I had a similar uh, but different situation. Uh, I remember I was responding to a car accident not so long ago, a few months back, in, um, uh, actually in, in the West Bank, where a lot of the Palestinian... Uh, where the roads are shared. The roads between are shared between the, the Palestinian, Palestinian Authority and, and, the, and the Israelis. And I was responding to a car accident there. And one thing that happened, there was a lot of family members of uh, one of the patients who was injured, and they're all like you're saying, they're huddling around. They were interested. We didn't get any threats per se, but there was there was a lot of um, a sensation of feeling like there was uh, a threat, not quite stated, but um, I guess sort of underlining the whole situation uh, that we very much had to you know help the person. 
Um, and what, one of the things which I did was I, I engaged the community, like we were saying before, and I asked one of the people who was staying there, I said, listen, I need you to help me create space for the patient. The patient needs to you know, breathe a little bit better. There's too many people crowding at this point. Are you able to uh, make sure that everyone else stays back for a couple feet? And that's your job. I would like you to be crowd control. Like we said, give them a mission. Give them a mission. And uh, and, and, and they did. And it was and perfect. they'll be the they, most they, effective. They and once they were doing it and not me doing it, then a lot of people responded a lot more amicably and gave us the space that we needed. I, I, I took the biggest, scariest person in the group and I said, you're in charge. Make sure everyone stays a little bit further back and make sure the road stays clear. So, because everyone was literally crowding on the street, on the highway. So make sure the road stays clear so no one else gets injured. And you know, and make sure that no one approaches us so that we have the space we need to work. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And he did. And and it was great. He then became uh my like sort of my partner in the uh in the scene and provided the protection we needed so that it things didn't de-escalate uh beyond that. Uh, and I think that happens a lot more, but not everything is always uh, necessarily violence focused either. Sometimes you get the reverse. Sometimes you go into a scene and you think you see things are, and you're bracing for impact. You're bracing for impact, and you get the exact opposite reaction. Um, I had that in a situation where I had a CPR on an older man, uh, and also on one of the highways in the West Bank uh, that was shared. And the family was all there. They had brought the person to receive medical treatment to one of the towns. Uh, and the, the team from the town responded. I was I happened to be in the area. I responded as well. Um, and after the scene, the scene was a CPR. Where the patient coded, unfortunately, didn't make it. Even after an elongated CPR, we performed 40-minute 40, 40 CPR in the rain outside uh, at night. And Love those. I love those. They're all great. Um, and the family saw that we did everything we could. They saw, you know, defibrillator. They saw that, you know, we attempted to give, there was a shock given. Uh, we brought the pulse back shortly there for a minute, and then it, we lost it again. After 45 minutes, the paramedics at the scene said, you know, we're going to pronounce here. There's no point in taking this patient to the hospital. Um, and the family members were very, very distraught. Uh, and I went up to one of them and I said, listen, are you, are you the brother of, uh, of the patient? They said, yes. And I gave him a big hug. And he gave me a big hug in response. And he said, thank you for doing everything you could. And it totally de-escalated the situation from everyone else. Everyone was getting uptight. They were getting antsy. People were starting to scream a little bit. And it just de-escalated that everything. Um, and it was very... I was very human. Yeah, and still we get punched. And still we <laughs> get flower vases scenes. thrown at our heads. And 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 many over the years I've been attacked so many times, so many times, and it really makes you think sometimes how ungrateful people are. Um when you're actually coming to help and and save their loved ones and their family members, um but they're so self-centered in 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 the situation. Um, maybe because they're just violent people as a baseline. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it really is their emotional status. It's no excuse. It really is no excuse. And I think it's important to mention it because it, it, it's a problem. And, it's, and yet we're all dealing with a pandemic of uh, COVID. But I think that violence against um, medical professionals is a pandemic in its own. We see it more and more here in Israel, and I know in other places as well, in the ERs, in the field, uh, when we're coming as first responders, actually just, just last week, we had an incident where a volunteer from the community um, responded to a, uh, to a call, and he walks into the house, and the guy comes running at him with a knife. Literally. Wow. Literally. Now, good thing this guy, this first responder, happened to be, you know, 
ex-tactic unit and police of many years, and he's volunteering as an EMT, so he immediately knew how to, uh, um, uh, you know, protect himself. himself and defend himself and and uh, neutralize uh, the attacker. But uh, but essentially, it was the, it was the patient's friend. And he was, I don't know what they had between them and the house, but when, when the first responder came walking in, he was he was attacked by this guy. Thank God the incident ended. The volunteer was fine. And the and the attacker wasn't injured either, just neutralized on the scene. But but these are things that are uh, unacceptable. It's unacceptable in our society. And 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 I think that that culture and all of these things are 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 nice excuse. But it's something that that is is things that we need to address. Um, in education, at 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 a youngest age as possible, even uh, to understand that the people who are treating the medical professionals are untouchable, are untouchable. Uh, just as we don't bring our uh, issues from home and 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 disputes from work or whatever, we don't bring that into the treatment of the patients, nor should anyone else. Absolutely. Um, and of course, it's really uh, difficult to even talk about the topic of violence without, of course discussing cases of overdose uh, or drug use and, and drug-induced violence against uh, emergency medical responders who are trying to respond to the scene. Now, I'm not even talking about like situations where like, you know, you have someone who's overdosed on opiates and you give them uh, blanking on you it. You give them Naloxone <laughs> and you run away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what you do. Um, even That's why we always gave it years ago. I remember years and years ago, this was when I was, when I was a youth volunteer. So this must have been, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago. And I'd look at the paramedics, look up to them like they were God. And we would get to these ODs. And I'm talking literally 30 years ago. And I'm like 15, 16 years old, okay, in the back of the rig. And I watched these paramedics have the patient, um, you know, ventilate him, assist him with breathing, with the with the BVM, and get to the ER. And as we're pulling into the ER, they'd shoot him the naloxone and hand over and run out <laughs> to the ambulance. And then we'd hear the ER falling apart there from him waking up. Um, I, I know those things. We we try not to do those anymore these days. But I remember as a kid that that this used to happen. But yeah, it's 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 challenging. And and what do you do? What yeah. do you do when a patient comes at you because you 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 ruined his fix? Exactly. It's like you've you've destroyed the high, and now they're upset at you for it. You forget the fact you they worked so hard on getting the money for it. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, but you also have situations where you've come into say the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, where you're you're coming in as the drug deal's going down, and the dealer's not really happy with you being there, so they lash out at you also, and that can involve both guns or knives or just fists. Um, and yeah, that situation you have to deal with as well. Yeah, I think. Well, I think, like I said, this is this goes cross platform. I know. Just I remember a few years back of our colleagues in Detroit um, on an ambulance, first responders on an ambulance that pulled up on a scene and and were literally just shot dead. Uh, by by gangsters, um, by gangs in 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 the area, and, and these are things that we need to really um, pull out from the roots. People need to understand that just because ambulances have flashing lights, they're not law enforcement. They are not. Uh, they're only coming to help. And I think that is so, something we really share across the board. And we see these uh, we see these incidents happening happening daily, and it's something that we need to get up and and fight. And yell against. This is right. something that is unacceptable. I mean, I've been hit too many times. I've been beaten too many times by by patients and patients' families, and 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 communities or friends, or right. friends and, and communities that don't know how to behave in these situations. Yet at the same time, 
we still go out and we'll still okay. respond to the call and we'll uh, respond in a hostile environment, whether it's a terror related, whether it's um, domestic uh, violence, whether whatever it is, we are there and we're there to help. And at the same time, safety, safety, safety. Absolutely. And we've had a, it's interesting you brought up in the, the idea of the ambulance team being shot. We, we had an, one of our ambulances shot last year as well. Um, was driving on a call trying to help a, a cardiac arrest patient. And on the way, they, they, uh, there was um, a gang, sort of like gang violence taking place between two gangs, not associated with the cardiac arrest. They were actually just trying to get to the cardiac arrest, and they came in a crossfire and were shot at. Um, and again, I think it was they, they were misidentified uh, at the time. But uh, these things, like you said, unfortunately, they happen all over. Lucky and for them, they were misidentified. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> Um, but there, there, uh, you know, the, the ambulance came back with a couple bullet holes from the, from the incident. Um, we also had a situation where one, one of our volunteers was, uh, was severely beaten after responding to a, a collapsed person who was having a seizure. Um, and again, it was in the wrong area at the wrong time and there was the middle of a gang conflict. Uh, and they were severely beaten, sent to the hospital. There were. It's not only that, it's people misinterpreting what you're doing. You're treating a patient. They think you're not treating them well. They think you should be giving him electric shocks. They think you should be giving him um, um, IV fluids with medication. But you think the method of treatment is A, B, or C, and you're doing whatever you need to do. And they think differently, and therefore they think they can hit you or push you around. And 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 it happens way too often. Um, I mean, I can go into additional examples of. Well, uh, first I'm going to give you kudos on that unattended pun of the method of treatment is A, B, and C. <laughs> whatever <laughs> I, was, I was like watching that I'm like oh, did he pick up on that <laughs> maybe I should say just C, comes natural. C A and B <laughs> uh, just comes natural I guess um, but yeah um, bottom line these things are inappropriate they shouldn't happen unfortunately they do how do we deal with it how do we prepare ourselves for it what's um, other than obviously engaging the community and teaching the community these things are wrong which is a whole bigger question which goes i think beyond even ems it needs to be inculcated in the school system and education system but as first responders how can we protect ourselves prepare ourselves or or engage the community in order to avoid those situations so number one common sense number two krav maga <laughs> learn how to protect yourself i am not kidding krav maga is israeli version <laughs> of martial arts the martial arts everybody knows what krav maga is come on um, um, and, and of course, personal Feel free safety. to comment on the article per, if you don't person, know what Krav Maga is. Personal safety. Google it. Google it. <laughs> um, personal uh, safety protection um, uh, gear, bulletproof vests, helmets. And if it's a hostile area, especially in conflict areas um, or, or very rough neighborhoods with high use of, um, uh, of uh, weapons of, of different sorts, then yes, you need to protect yourself and, 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 and do training. How to deal with these situations? Don't wait for something to happen and pay the price. Now, yeah, we're not security. When you say training, you're talking about like martial art training, or yeah, basic. You don't need okay. to become a martial arts specialist, but basic, basic uh, training. Just as I send my daughter to do basic uh, training of of, uh, of of like you know a martial art of some sort protection. Yeah. So so she so she's not helpless. Then yes, same goes for professional responders. We do yeah. need to do and emphasize some basic training and protection. Yeah, right. um, and I think that training can go two ways. It can be like you're saying in terms of like martial art and physical protection. It also can be in terms of awareness, training, and de-escalating de-escalating a situation, you know, hostile yeah. situations. Um, there's both aspects of it because the more you think about it, if you use your mind, like you were saying, emotional emotional IQ uh, or EQ, uh, then you can basically go in and try and de-escalate the situation as it's happening by 
using the people who are around you to give them tasks, to engage them in the process, get them to help try and save, you know, help you help uh, save the person. And that can help de-escalate the situation and avoid any potential uh, violence or hostility as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very it's very simple it's very simple things that that we need to do. Um, and, and more than anything is common sense. Common sense. Keep your eyes open. Always be aware. Even if you're at the end of the shift and it's the last call, right before you need, and all you want to do is finish that call and get back uh, to, to to the station and, and head home. Um, don't don't lose your guard. Don't lose your guard. You gotta be you gotta be careful out there. You don't know where it's gonna come from. Absolutely. And uh, it happens, uh, like I said, it happens all over. So always be aware and always be on at the top of your game as much as possible. And even for those, I guess, crews that don't necessarily have a budget to provide to get protective gear, um, there's always something you're able to do. And there's always something you can learn or take on, work with each other. Uh, use your partners also and use backup. Don't forget to call for backup and call in if you see the situation is violent. Make sure that your dispatcher knows about it. Make sure your dispatcher has sent additional resources. And don't think twice about disengaging. Stand Correct. back. Because the worst thing that can happen is that you get injured and now there's other people who need help. Um, so definitely uh, be aware of your situation. Be safe. Um, and continue saving lives. Absolutely. Stay safe out there and save a lot of lives. Amen. That's all the time we have for now. See Thanks you again for listening. Soon. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.